EM Guidewire, hard-hitting emergency medicine from Carolina's Medical Center. Hey gang, welcome back to EM Guidewire and another episode of Intern Nuggets. Today we'll touch on topics like migraine cocktails and life as we enter residency. Let's not delay it any further. Here we go. Welcome back to EM Guidewire's Internugget podcast. We're once again coming to you from J. Lee Garvey Innovation Studio at Carolina's Medical Center Emergency Medicine Residency in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am Fernanda Calienes, PGY1. I am Carrie Bissell, PGY1. This week, we have two missions to share some personal survival tips and, of course, discuss a commonly encountered medical topic. Let's start with residency life advice. First of all, you do not need to know everything and honestly won't. Like our program director says, education is a lifelong journey. There is no way to start at the end of the journey. You have to start where you are standing or something like that. So with that in mind, please do not stress out about cramming the encyclopedia of emergency medicine into your brain before you start residency or feel that you need to know so much on your first day. Your upper levels are there to help and have been in your shoes. So remember that you're totally capable and I personally think that your time can be better spent relaxing prior to residency. Now, some people are not like that, and it can cause a lot of stress if they change up their routine too much. So please do what works for you. But trust me, you will learn things quickly once you start. I totally agree. It is a team sport after all, so your teammates will be there to help you. Plus, emergency medicine is best learned on the job. So I find my learning on shift to be much more productive. Do, however, know that you already know a lot, and you should feel comfortable sharing what you know. Education is a two-way street, and your perspectives are also valuable to the team. Additionally, do not forget some personal care. Sure, you're a doctor now, but like actually haven't seen one in a while, right? So some things that I found more helpful was making those doctor's appointments that I have been putting off for um, mostly all of medical school. Get those teas cleaned, pick up those medication prescriptions, update your glasses if you need to. I wish I'd done that. I've rescheduled my doctor's appointment multiple times because I end up wanting to spend my days off doing things I enjoy and not in another medical facility. One piece of advice I got last year was to get car registration and new license stuff figured out early on, but I totally ignored that advice and now I'm dreading having to spend eight hours waiting at the DMV during the precious day off. Oh yeah, I got there right when it opened and waited five hours still. Oh no, that's horrible. Also, I personally felt a lot of pressure to get an extra ICU rotation at the end of fourth year, but I am glad that I went to Peru to visit my family instead. I had not seen them in seven years, and I definitely did not regret that decision. Lastly, for my advice, at the beginning of residency, I held off on some activities because it was more important to get my place all settled and feeling homey before starting shifts, and that is totally okay. I brought zero furniture with me from Seattle to Charlotte and found really awesome secondhand gem stores online. I love this. Feeling at home is so important, especially when you moved across the country. I approached the beginning a little bit differently. I tried to make it to as many activities as possible because I wanted to form friendships early on. Now that we are a few months in, I'm a little bit more selective. Sometimes there's a group hanging out, but I need that time to rest and recharge at home. It's important to know what you need for your health and have no shame in doing exactly that. That being said, I have leaned heavily on my co-residents for support, advice, and social time. Dr. Calianes in particular is a big proponent of hanging out together outside the hospital. Love me a great brewery or cocktail bar with my residency fam. Speaking of cocktails, let's get into talking about the infamous ED headache cocktail. Headaches are a very common complaint in the emergency department. There are about 2.1 million headache ED visits annually, or 2-4% to of all ED visits. 
Everyone seems to have their own variation, but we want to address why individuals have created these various mixtures for their practice. We want to understand what is supported by data and also explore the art of medicine that allows you to practice in your own unique way as a clinician. So before you order your headache cocktail, some of the critical diagnoses that we always need to consider when evaluating the patient with a headache are subarachnoid hemorrhage, which, fun fact, on initial presentation are missed about 25 to 50% of the time, tumor or mass, bacterial meningitis, encephalitis, shunt failure, subdural hematoma, glaucoma, brain abscess, hypertensive crisis, preeclampsia, oh my gosh, the list goes on. Don't forget about migraines, trigeminal neuralgia, post-lumbar puncture, or dental TMJ pain as less emergent causes. You can also have secondary tension headaches or rebound headaches. So differential includes but is not limited to? Exactly. What we are getting at is that the differential is quite broad, so be thorough, thoughtful, and document well why you think the headache is non-emergent. The other week, I had a patient whose chief complaint was a headache. She seemed a little altered to me. When I was presenting her to my attending, he kept asking if she had ingested anything. Turns out she had a serious shunt malfunction. She'd had a shunt placed 30 years ago for neurosister psychosis. My attending found it on his very thorough physical exam because she was too altered to provide that history. Good lesson for me to remember to stay broad and examine patients well. Now that you've given me a unilateral throbbing headache with this extensive differential, how would you treat me? Well, one of the pain medications people reach for with many chief complaints are NSAIDs. This can be 600 milligrams of ibuprofen or 15 milligrams Ketorolac IV to start, once you get that negative UPT, of course. Definitely one of my first-line choices. From what I've read, most of the data does not actually show a benefit of using IV Ketorolac over a PO NSAID. I like to think it may offer some placebo effect, but in reality, your choice should depend on what is available to you, such as if the patient has an IV and will be receiving other IV medications. It is also worth considering cost. If there's no true benefit of one over the other, then cost and adverse reactions may steer you toward one preferentially. The other medication that comes to mind first is acetaminophen, 975 milligrams PO. The number needed to treat is 12 in acute migraines. It is low cost, widely available, and has a safe side effect profile, so definitely would say it's a useful first choice drug. One of the classes I consider if I'm giving a migraine cocktail is a dopamine antagonist. I usually reach for metoclopramide, 10 milligrams, or procloperazine, 10 milligrams. These have consistently demonstrated efficacy in randomized trials for acute migraine monotherapy. It is quite common for people to add diphenhydramine, IV, or PO to help with akathisia side effects, but recent data is indicating no change in incidence of extrapyramidal side effects and no additional benefit in reduction of pain when adding diphenhydramine. I would say pick your battles, and this isn't what I want to argue with. Just make sure your patient isn't drowsy or planning to drive home. Also, remember that for metoclopramide or procloperazine, administering it slowly over a 15-minute infusion can help avoid akathisia. Ondansetron and clopromazine can also help. Dopamine antagonists are already sedating, so if you add on Benadryl and set up the patient in a dark room, they might end up napping for a while. And sometimes, this is just the thing the patient needs. So use your clinical judgment and perhaps some shared decision-making with the patients. Next, for some IV fluids. Unless your patient also has heart failure, I love IV fluids as dehydration is a known migraine trigger, especially if you think it's a secondary cause. And the patient may be dehydrated from decreased PO, nausea, or vomiting. This is typically the extent of my first-line migraine cocktail, with the exception of occasionally adding dexamethasone. 
Overall, this has not been shown to reduce pain scores in the ED, but it did decrease the likelihood of recurrence within 72 hours when added to standard abortive therapy. You can use dexamethasone 10 mg IV, some sources say 4 to 8. Oral dex has not been studied. I actually used this medication just last night on a patient with three weeks of intractable headache who reported improvement with dexamethasone at previous visits. Another option for your cocktail is haloperidol and droperidol. You can use haloperidol 5 mg IV or droperidol 2.5 mg IV. These have also shown efficacy as monotherapy compared to placebo for acute migraines, but they have also side effects such as akathisia, anxiety, and QT prolongation. Now for something a little less commonly used in the acute setting, tryptans. We know the step exam answer is that sumatriptan plus oxygen treats acute cluster headaches. But outside of that, tryptan use in the ED has limited value. You can use 6 mg sub-Q as a start. However, I see them used more as outpatient management. Usually sumatriptan, 100 mg PO, being prescribed to treat short-term recurrence of a headache after ED discharge. Also, studies show that tryptan therapy is less effective in prolonged and severe migraine, which is what we often see in the emergency department. Dihydroergotamine is also less commonly used. These act on serotonin 1B and 1D receptors. There are some DHE administration pathways that even involve admission for OBS. Some studies actually favor non-DHE therapies given the side effect profile and lack of superiority compared to other treatments. While we have touched on many medication options that can be considered, there is one class that we should avoid. That would be opiates. They come with a high risk for relapse, addiction, and medication overdose. While avoiding narcotics is important, sometimes we need to expand our therapeutic options. There are more treatments out there such as valparate, 1-gram IV, low-dose ketamine, nerve blocks including great occipital and sphenopalatine blocks, and IV magnesium. The evidence for magnesium is weak and most commonly used as round two of treatment when giving magnesium plus redosing metoclopramide or switching to haloperidol. But please ask your patient what has worked for them in the past rather than going down your own side pathway. Most of the time, there won't actually be full resolution in your patient's headache before discharge, and that's okay. In fact, it can be a good idea to start out with a conversation that our goal will be to diminish the patient's pain score from a 10 to a 5 or 6 not necessarily zero. By sharing your thought process, including the good news, we've ruled out the big and scary diagnoses. Keeping your patient in the loop about what to expect and showing you care will help both parties involved and improve your patient's experience. I also always provide return precautions and make sure the patient knows they are welcome back to the ED if things don't feel right at home. So before we go, just a few reminders. You don't and won't know it all on day one or 101 for the matter. But keep putting your best foot forward and you will see the improvements you were expecting. Don't forget that you have other life tasks. Make those appointments. Get those teeth cleaned. That will make everyone smile. <laughs> there is no alcohol in that migraine cocktail, but there are many, many options. Please avoid narcotics, though. It is also important not to assume that it's a migraine. Do a thorough history and exam. You may find a clue, like a VP shunt. Well, that's all we've got for you today. Thank you for joining us at the J. Lee Garvey Innovation Studio at Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Please check out our other podcasts and imaging series. We'll be back for some more internuggets soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go! Be awesome today. Seems you know. Don't fire us. Get those teeth cleaned. That will make everyone smile. Pause. Rewind.
so excited I said the mic. I'm so proud of you. 